Oh, it's been such a long time. It feels like Christmas Day, that one day of the year when you catch up with the cousins you only see once every 12 months or so. Here we are, Warren Smith, Matty Russell and Lara Pitt. You can take me now. I have seen it all returning to the airwaves for the first time in 2019. It's great to see you both. Oh, I was. I needed to get back here and get off the hot chips diet because all I've been doing since October is having a good time. So I'm ready to get back into some football. I saw both of you 48 hours ago yes, in beautiful true. Mudgee. What yeah. a spot. I know we did the All-Stars game, but then the charity shield on Fox League really brought it home. The season proper, mm. not too far away. And how exciting is that? How good was Mudgee, Lars? Oh, so beautiful. The fans really did it for me, speaking to a heap of them before kickoff. We were in there, obviously, two hours before the gates just opened and they just, they'd been queuing up some of them since 1pm uh, just to make sure, because it's unallocated seating. And they all had their bucket chairs and their eskies and the kids had running around with their frankfurts, all home-packed by mum. Um, and, yeah, some of them had come from as far as Coffs Harbour, which I mentioned in the broadcast. So it was just so good to see that the passion for rugby league and for those two very proud clubs is so strong. And it's a really a three-day sporting festival because I went up early on the Friday night. I was trying to get up there in time to go to the rodeo. <laughs> Didn't quite make it in time for the rodeo. But you've got the rodeo on Friday night, then the Charity Shield on Saturday. And then yesterday, Sunday, they had the big race day, the Country Championship races at Mudgee Racecourse. So, you know, if you're going up there, you make a real long weekend of it. And there were tons of having breakfast on Saturday morning in the middle of town, there were tons of people in Rabbitohs caps and Dragons jerseys and because the Dragons now have this connection, they'll play the Knights up there again in round 10. Um, there were tons of Dragons posters and Dragons fans up there. It was fantastic. And what, a, what an influx of cash, basically, for the local community. And all those country towns have done it tough in recent times. So it's great to see, the, the, I guess, the Sydney fans go up there and support the locals. We saw games in Maitland, Mackay, and Mudgee, Glen Willow, the surface looked magnificent, as did the Mudgee racecourse running <laughs> track yesterday. And my favourite sporting quote from the weekend came out of the Mudgee races where <laughs> Huey Bowman, fresh from riding, riding Winks, try saying that quickly, <laughs> to win 31 in a row, was at the Bush Club yes, riding Bush horses. <laughs> and he was asked about going from Winks to some of the gallopers at Mudgee and he said, have you ever driven a V8, to which the journal responded, yep. He said, well, it's like going from a V8 to a push bike. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, it gave me a chuckle. Oh, so well done to Mudgee. It was great theatre. The, the good Burrow, news is we're going back Did there. you see that? Did you see that picture? The Damien Cook, Alex Johnson were walking through the main town and they came across the house decorated as the Mudgee Burrow. They I thought missed they'd that. knock on the door, had a cup of tea and a chat Stop to the, some of the biggest fans. How good's that? It wasn't even organised. Just saw a big, big sign saying Mudgee Burrow, colours all over the house. And... Who just knocks on your door, the New South Wales dummy half, and says, oh, g'day, how you going? Let's uh, talk footy. And the players themselves genuinely said, it, you just forget sometimes the joy that rugby, leagues bring, rugby league brings to fans. So that's the best yarn of the weekend for me. And I think everybody was hanging out quite obviously for a bit of footy. There had been footy the previous weeks, as you mentioned, the All-Stars game, Maddie, and other trial games. But um, given... The negative headlines over the off-season, I guess we were all just waiting to see a bit of football and, and concentrate on the game itself between the lines of those 80 minutes. We'll get to the drama in a little while. But before we do, we've all had a big break. I had three months long service leave. I've never taken a break like that in my working life. I can recommend it. 
It's pretty good having three months off. It just clears your head. Went away overseas with a family. Did a big European national lampoon vacation. <laughs> I was Chevy Chase. Did the big trip with the family um, through England and then uh, Paris and then into Italy. Oh, sensational. Oh, fantastic. Well, Gr- great time. Clark was, Griswold. Yeah. What, Warren what, Smith. What was the highlight then? Um, apart from playing golf at the old course at St Andrews. <laughs> wow. And another little pl- classic place called North Berwick back near Edinburgh, which the golf nerds will know of. Um, but Venice. We oh, went to Venice. Beautiful. And honestly... You can't imagine how they decided to build something like because mm. it's just a, it was just a swamp basically, mm. and they've built this sort of city. It's more like a, you know a big town, a big village, and here we are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later, and you can see buildings and they're all wonky and the frames of the windows aren't quite right. And the, you open the the bathroom window and here's a gondola going you know pushing along the canal <laughs> with a couple of punters. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just mind-blowing that the place actually exists. But it's charming and fascinating and romantic. Oh, you know, like, here we are with a family. If you, were, if you were thinking about popping the question to your beloved one and your only just girlfriend, boyfriend at that stage or whatever, um, that's where you'd go. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, if you had the cash, you would go to Venice because nobody is saying no to a proposal in Venice. I can see a new show on Fox League, yeah. Get Away with Woz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, proposal in great. Venice. Wow. Um, that Woz. would be something, Yeah, huh? you wouldn't actually be able to top it like, no. with the wedding. You didn't that renew your vows over there, Woz? <laughs> No, no, don't put that uh, idea in <laughs> Janine's head because it might cost us too much money uh, as it did last beautiful. time around. What about you, I've Abby? been travelling the country everywhere. covering the NBL and it's been fantastic to experience a different sport and different athletes and a different mm. culture to an extent. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to coming back onto rugby league. But amid all that, I did get away to Snapper Rocks. The boys are keen surfers, so we spent time up there. And one day we did a bit of a tour up through the highland or highlands around the Gold Coast, northern New South Wales. Ended up in Nimbin, uh, managed to resist <laughs> some of the local produce but we did go to a swimming hole because i'm a big fan of rock jumping off rocks into water don't ask me where it comes from really? i've always loved loved doing that and we found the scariest and the best one i've ever done outside nimbin luckily there was a local there who showed us how to do the jump you have to jump blind to where you're landing through the branches and trees and as you are falling what? then the water landing pad becomes clear and i don't mind admitting that i was scared but my 16-year-old did it first, and after he did it, I thought, I'm not going to hear the end of this unless I do it. Wow. So having been shown the way I did it, and it was darn scary. But I'm here, I've survived, and I'm back to call some footy. Well, a thrill-seeker. Did you pick him as a thrill-seeker yes, like this? Yes, I actually did. I've driven really? on the road with Matthew <laughs> Russell. <laughs> oh, well, Terrifying. Canberra, <laughs> trying to get to the airport actually, quickly. Almost, this is almost the guy that... killed Woz once too in Canberra's <laughs> quietly. The, the, famous, the famous trip yeah, to the yeah. airport. Comes across so sweet and innocent here, but there's definitely a thrill-seeker. Come well, on, Lara, what about you? Well, I enjoy my off-season mostly to get back into mum mode. So um, got a great opportunity to spend some time with my two little boys that are two and four and got to see some crocodiles in North Queensland and um, all things that boys love, a massive appreciation for dinosaurs this off season and um, dancing. So we're loving dancing. Two young boys that just love to get their energy out by dancing. Mm -hmm. So every other day that's we have some dancing time. So, yeah, my, my life is very much at the level of a toddler at the moment when I'm not (laughs) playing this game with you guys, which... So when I get back to work, it's testing my brain in a very different way. I want to see when Lara (laughs) hosts 
NRL Sunday. What's it called now? Sunday ticket. Sunday ticket. There you go. I want to see you open with a dance. I want to see you open with a manoeuvre. I've got that, a great daggy dance. That is That's fantastic. That's what we call it. Mum is daggy. Really? Dance. Yeah. Daggy dance. That's the boys. No one will ever see it. <laughs> Come on. We have a family friend who I saw dance, you know, with the dance squad, but one of the, you know, classes or academies around yeah. town and he was just a young bloke and he just went along and um you know because his sister was dancing he went along and had a bit of a dance and started doing it he's now one of the leading baller you know male ballerinas he's a you know what ballet dancer yeah in the world Amazing. wow young bloke called jack burtonshaw dances with the royal canadian ballet and he just like followed his sister along mm. and here he is you know, probably 15 years later now. Well, I don't one of think the best I've got ballet dancers in the world. I've got headbanging boys, so, yeah, we won't be doing any ballet. I, I'm challenging Anthony, <laughs> your wonderful husband, to get some home video and send it into the producers here. <laughs> I want to see Lara Pitt doing the daggy, daggy mummy dance. dance. Yeah. In oh, between gosh. his Academy brand designing, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. I'm challenging Anthony to get sure. video of you. There's video, but it won't be coming okay. through the Fox League department, that's it for will sure. Be. Week <laughs> okay. one. Week one Sunday ticket. Are you, are you ready for this football season? Because you've been, you are the hardest working man in television sports. I'm ready, was. You've been doing the basketball. You've been, I mean, just yesterday, you saw the Sydney Kings collapse yet again. I mean, the Sydney Kings, they are the, they are the Keanu Reeves of, <laughs> of basketball, aren't they? They are all style and no substance. Sadly for the Kings, their three biggest crowds this season all watched the Kings get beaten. And with this hyped team, we just thought they'd be in the grand final series automatically. We thought they'd win the championship. Well, they will achieve neither of those goals. But the crowds have been so good for Sydney. More people watch the Sydney Kings home and away this season than ever have in the 41 years of the NBL. So how do you judge success? Is it purely on on-court results in a championship, or is it putting some building blocks in mm. place that can set them up for years to come? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they've had success and failure all at once. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what it would take for the Sydney Kings to ever get back and win a championship. They had those couple of years under Brian Gorgian where they went mm. pretty well, but um, they are a franchise, for, for, for the, a bit like the New York Knicks, if you're a basketball fan. The New York Knicks have this because they're in the biggest town, probably in the world just about, the biggest sports town in the world, there's no question about that. But the Knicks have, really, for the most part of their existence, stunk it up. They had a couple of good years, won some championships. But the Kings, again, biggest team potentially in the league if they ever get it right. Mm. And the crowds have borne that out, but um, just can't seem to get it done. Anyway, let's talk a bit of rugby league because it has been bubbling along. Uh, you know, even in Venice or in London or wherever we were, I only had to pick up the phone and just thought, I'll just check and see what the news is back home. Oh, phone explodes. And every time I did, I was oh, my God, <laughs> what is going on? I'm sort of, I was thinking I'm really glad I'm away. Not that we were on deck having to talk about it, but just nice being at a distance from all the drama that happened. It just kept on coming, didn't it? Yeah, and I think we've been here with, for us anyway, Maddie, that have been here the whole summer. It was relentless and it was ongoing and it got more and more disappointing. And I think first and foremost, we're fans of rugby league as well as happening to call it a job. Um, and to see it all come to a head last week was was probably a good thing and one we've all been waiting a long time for. Um, but I'm just glad it's hopefully over now and at least there's more clearer pathway I'd, I'd like to think pe people will learn from this and we can move forward. And at least once the football's back, that's what they need. We need the game to be back on well, the TV. I think roughly we have landed in the right place, this no-fault stand-down policy, while still a little 
grey for my liking. I don't know exactly where the threshold is still. It will come down at this stage, I believe, to the discretion of the CEO and his key advisors. But basically, if you are charged, charged being the operative word, with a serious offence, looking at jail term, then you will, no fault, stand down until the matter is solved. And that's what would happen in the majority of workplaces, yep, sure. I believe. So I have no fault with that. My problem was always that why aren't players going to be subject to malicious accusations possibly down the track by, dare I say it, a betting consortium or someone with an axe to grind? Well, the police would do their due diligence before charging anyone. So that would guard against that danger. You'd like Correct. to think if there was a malicious allegation against player A, just to try and get him stood down, that, that would quickly fall over with good police work. So now, if you find yourself um, in this situation and even ultimately cleared, wouldn't a player almost appreciate the fact that I can now pour all my energy and effort into fighting this charge, which I declare my innocence from vigorously, rather than having to put yourself on a training field in front of the spotlight on a footy ground? I actually think that we're in the right spot roughly. I have had it put to me the comparison between Sean Kenny Dowell and I, I don't have an answer for it because if you read the accusations that were levelled at him when he was going through his scenario, they were also quite shocking. And mm-hmm. if you judged him based on that or if we'd stood him down at the time under these rules, we'd say fair enough. But ultimately we know what happened. He was found not guilty. We don't know what's going to happen. That's why this situation is so is so difficult. You can sympathise with both sides. And I'm sure I agree, Maddie. I think you'd want to be pouring all your energy into getting off this charge if you're if you're innocent and you know you want it that's what you need to be focusing on. But at the same time there would be an element of feeling, well, everyone's gonna judge me before. And, you know, I, I if he believes Jack DeBell and in, in his heart and he's gonna vigorously defend himself, then would he like the opportunity to continue doing what he loves? The only thing I'd say to that is that surely people form their own opinion subconsciously anyway, whether he is stood down under this no-fault stand-down policy or not, people will formulate their opinions and have their thoughts. Having him stood down by the league, I don't think would change many people what they're thinking. Someone wouldn't wake up and say, oh, he's been stood down by the league, must be guilty. I don't think they would jump to that conclusion, anyone with a, a sane brain. Yeah, I don't think it impacts on his ability to get a fair trial when it eventually does go to trial, and it, it, that may well be... At some stage in 2020, we just don't know. Sometimes the the wheels of justice move fairly slowly, don't they? It's an extreme measure by the NRL to take this stance because no other sporting body at the moment, in this country anyway, has this now no-fault policy that they've implemented just last week. But I guess they've been pushed to this position off the back of everything that happened. And and it hasn't just been this off-season. There's been a number of issues um, over a number of years now. And I guess at some point... They had to go to that next level and do what they've done. I've changed my mind, I'll be honest. I reckon every hour I change my mind on whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I don't think there's any 100% correct answer, but I think it's just a a fact of there's just been so much happen that they had to try and put some sort of guidelines in place. And, yep, sure, as you mentioned, there still will be those cases which fall in the grey area. It won't be black and white. Um... Dylan Walker, I guess, was the first test case of that. They have stood Dylan Walker down until um, his uh, case comes to a conclusion. So we'll see how that pans out for him. That will be probably some months also. But, um, you know, I think they just had to do, had to do something. And I, and I still have, you know, as I say, I will you know, go back and forth with it in my own mind, thinking about how, how it plays out. Is it right? Is it wrong? Um, 
but I think something had to be done. And you know, you can either, you're either in or you're out. And I'm in, on board with the NRL in regards to taking the stand they have. Has the leadership been good? We've seen the chairman of the commission, Peter Beattie, be so so accessible. And I've heard some people say, "Hang on, he's too accessible. You can't be on Twitter uh, debating with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. You can't be going on every single radio and television program and popping up in every single media outlet." But I would rather the chairman be too accessible and be on the record perhaps too much than not spotted off nobbies. Because if it's the other way around, and you know, maybe not so much in this case in regards to you know all the accusations in regards to various players who've been charged and other, you know, Dylan Narper and now Tyrone May and whatever else. If he, either, if he wasn't saying anything about anything, he'd be getting hammered, Peter Booty, for being a recluse mm. and not approachable and not showing any leadership. Now he says in some people's minds too much and he's getting hammered for that as well. Has he said too much about Jack DeBellin? I haven't been going through all his Twitter account and having a look at all the posts that he's made. Um, I'll leave it up to others in regards to that. But um, mm. I, I know the Dragons and their camp certainly probably feel like he's had a fair bit too much to say, Lars. Yeah, I think overall, because everyone's bundling everyone together, um, the Jack DeBellin issue, and then there's an, there were a number of other incidents in the off-season, uh, we... If we take the Jack DeBellin issue aside and we look at the culture of the game as a whole, I think a lot of clubs have been caught up in this this pre-season, off-season that we'd never expected or even the coaches themselves thought they were running a very tight ship. So I think that says a lot about uh, where we are as a, as a game and where those teams are and how they need to look at themselves and how they run their, their show because... I think I'm out of all of a sudden out of my depth and out of the demographic on what's acceptable for 20-something-year-olds to share on WhatsApp and all those things. Um, but the fact that players think that that's acceptable behaviour and that's team environment, what stays in the team, what happens to the team stays in the team, it's absolutely mind-blowing that, that that culture exists. So um, I think that's a big thing that needs to be looked at and it's not necessarily um, a, a thing that's going to, so you get jail time or get um, banned from the game, but it's disappointing and really damaging for people who love the game to see that that's how our star players behave and the way they think is acceptable mm. to behave. Because there is the potential, quite obviously, that if you share some of these images that um, you may well have seen, and it's been hard to avoid them, I guess, if you work in the, the field of rugby league, but if you share some of those images, you run the risk of being charged by the police because you're sharing, you're posting images of people online in a digital sense, and this has all obviously come about in the last five to ten years that we've had this technology available, but you can be charged by the police for, you know, disseminating images of people that they don't want to be, you know, they mm. didn't agree to those to be posted in a public forum. So, you know, that in itself is just crazy to take that chance that whether you're a rugby league player or just a carpenter, a plumber or a banker, it doesn't matter what, if you're taking that chance of sharing stuff like that and the person you're sharing the images of doesn't know, you can easily be charged by the police. You shouldn't need to be told that, but the rugby league players are told that. I've been in at rookie camps where they are hammered by uh, federal police about the dangers of digital media and, and it, some great examples. Like they have it thrust in their face, so to speak, and, you know, there's no excuse. There shouldn't be an excuse anyway, but there's especially no excuse if you've come through that rookie camp and copped all the training and advice above and beyond what modern society or most of society receives and there is just no excuse so what about trial footy it was it's been back for a while you touched on on the weekend to mudgy um have we got the trials in the right format or would you like to see more structure about it in 
form of maybe a, a pre-season competition, a bit like an an Amco Cup or the old pre-season competition where there is a little carrot for the teams and, and we could tour country areas or is this mishmash of clubs organising their own trials um, acceptable? Well, we've been there in the past and most recently, of course, with the, the Auckland Nines. The teams didn't take it seriously. Um, you know, the Bulldogs, the Melbourne Storm in particular, they would send, you know, the Bulldogs would send Des. When Des Hasler was coaching there, he would send over 10 front rowers as part of his Auckland Nines mm. team. You know, they didn't take it seriously at all. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're playing for. The only thing that matters to the clubs is the NRL Premiership mm. and it could be called the Amco Cup or you can, you know, bring back whatever or um, any sponsor you like to think of. But... It doesn't matter. They're not going to take it seriously. It's still going to be trial games. Um, Results uh, irrelevant, surely, aren't they? Yeah. We've yeah. seen teams get towelled up in trials and then come out and win their first six to eight games of the season. Uh, yeah. uh, the results are irrelevant. Yeah. Ask, ask Panthers fans how they feel about Billy Kikau missing a fair chunk of footy to start or the season. Or Scott Drinkwater. <laughs> yes, a, a would be, could be number one for Billy Slater at Melbourne, tearing his peck now out for the majority of the season. So It Jerome could happen Hughes, in round one. It could happen it, it in could. the trial. But the point is, is that you... Every time you see your team run out in a trial, you're crossing your fingers that everyone that they're naming is going to come out. And in a climate where there is so much footy, I hear constantly the question, do we even need to play trial footy? Well, if you see some of the trials and think, well, that could be the standard of footy we get in rounds one and two if they're not getting some rust out of the system, mm. then the answer is yes. But if all the teams start on an equal footing, do we even need to play trials? That's a it, constant question at this time of year. Isn't it down to the coach that has the biggest changes in his team? He might like to give them a crack in in a simulated style of first grade um, regular round footy, that's probably the only reason. But it would only be for a short stint anyway. It's not for the full 80 minutes. It's mm. just to try a few things. I, certain coaches definitely favour trials more than others. Some don't even sit in the coach's box. I don't think Wayne Bennett sat in the coach's box until the Mudgee game, the first two he let his assistants run. So they don't put a lot of emphasis and weight into them. Yeah, I think most teams, uh, you know, they would happy probably for yep. their stars to sit and not play, but you're looking for some sort of team structure to begin with. And if you're looking for guys who are, there might be four or five guys in each squad at the start of each season who are very much on the line. Do they, do they fill a hole that we now have because of movement in the off-season or do they still stay in the intra-super premiership for a couple of weeks and we'll see how they go? So you've got those guys jostling for positions at each and every club um, and you want them to play, but you want them to play with the guys potentially they're going to be playing with in some sort of structure that they would be playing with using in the season proper. So I think you probably still need to have... I mean, most teams now, I'm at, you know, obviously I've focused on the Dragons and the Rabbitohs um, in the build-up to the, the game of Mudgee, the Charity Shield, on Saturday night. But, you know, the Rabbitohs, they played... Most of their guys played 20, 25 minutes the week before in the uh, John Sutton testimonial at Redfern against the Panthers. And then they got a, a lot more of a hit-out, quite obviously. Mm. I mean, Sam Burgess played a lot of minutes, more minutes, I would have thought, mm. um, in the Charity Shield. Um, so... And James Graham, um, he was playing his first game as far as the Dragons were concerned. Tyson Frizzell also. Mm. So, you know, I think those guys, you want to just get just a bit of a, you know, something to blow the cobwebs mm. off before the before round one. So I think trials will survive, um, but I, I can't see the return of the, uh, the old Amco Cup or the no. Tui's okay. Cup or the, the country championship we used to have back in the old days. Well, can I say that it was at a function the other day with Trent Barrett. Now, when Des Hasler first left Manly, he referred to himself as going on gardening leave. Well, Trent's on surfing leave, living back down the south coast and uh, getting quite good on a surfboard with some time on his hands. But I spoke to him about a couple of players that he really would like 
or is it keen to watch in 2019? And uh, Kalen Ponga jumped out of the mouth. Trent, a former number six. Kalen will wear the number six this season. And he is backing Kalen Ponga to really shine in the halves despite some maybe questionable or shaky trial form in the six as he adjusts to the position. And the other player that Trent nominated was Dylan Brown, the young teenager at Parramatta. And a few days after uh, Trent surprised the crowd by mentioning the name Dylan Brown, here he is uh, lighting up the papers with um, mm. inclusion into Parramatta's 30-man squad. So there's a bit of intel from a coach in waiting learning to surf on the South Coast, Trent Barrett. Mm. You haven't seen much of Dylan Brown, but he was pretty impressive a couple of weeks back when I was travelling the countryside doing some uh, some golf commentary on Fox Sports. And uh, I saw he played well for the Eels a couple of weeks ago in their first trial. And now again over the weekend, it seems like uh, with that spot opening up, Corey Norman going to the Dragons. I thought Corey Norman actually looked pretty good for the Dragons. Their attack didn't look so bad. Their defence, Lara, wasn't so flash on Saturday night. The Dragons, I'm sure Paul McGregor, a little bit concerned about that. Did you think he looked a bit cranky post-game yeah, in, our, in his interview with Gaz? Just slightly. He was a bit just cranky. Just a little bit. So when trials like uh, run out like that, it maybe yeah, it gives you a lot to think about with uh, two weeks for the season. Defence and edges, real concern. Yes, well, that's uh, all to look forward to. Um, and speaking of looking forward to, a bit of a short one this week, just to, just to blow the cobwebs ourselves <laughs> off. Only a short a stint. We're not, we're not playing 80 minutes today. Um, but we'll do a longer show next week when we go through. We might try and go through all 16 teams fairly briefly mm. and just give us some thoughts. Maybe if you think that team's going to improve or say about the same or maybe go a little bit backwards depending on where they finished in 2018. So we'll save a big preview for 2019 for next week. But uh, thanks for coming in. Great to see you both. We look forward to a long and no doubt story-filled season was. Mm. There will be so much <laughs> to talk about. Can't wait to talk about how bad the refs are going. How, what week will that pop up? What, how, uh, how week far two we, was. Week Monday, two. week two. But we should mention <laughs> that two. NRL 360 yes, back, back tonight. a week before... Uh, round one, so... So you if can... you want to get fired up, just tune in from 6.30 What are their now. characters again, Kenty and Ben? Oh, from the mob. Slippery oh, Paulie. What were Slippery, they? Paul. yeah. Slippery Paulie and Straight Benny or was something, like I think. That? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Perfectly yeah. Sum- summarised. It was good to be back in the commentary box with Ben Eichen at the uh, All-Stars game. Yes. And uh, he was preparing for the Queensland PGA at the time. Yep. And uh, so he's fired up, ready to go with NRL 360. Yes, I'm sure he's pretty happy to be back talking about rugby league as opposed to um, making a Don't few... Don't mention the golf ones. Making a few bogey... Oh, tough. We'll talk about that with Ben at some stage, maybe down the track. But, boy, playing against the pros, uh, I'm a you know low single-figure marker in golf and Ben is also, boy, I, I have no pretense of being anything <laughs> like a professional golfer. And I think Ben found out the hard way uh, a couple of weeks ago up there at the Queensland PGA at Toowoomba. Great to see you both. We'll see you next week. Until then, uh, safe travels, everybody. It is. You can take me now. I have seen it all. 